Greetings, beloved ones. My name is LaVon Briggs. I am a body and sex positive womanist preacher, speaker, and author. Sensual faith is a sacred space that I carve out for you to uncover your spirituality, recover your sensuality, and discover your sexuality. So if that sounds good to you, and if that feels good to you, you're in the right place. Greetings, beloved ones, and welcome to Sensual Faith Podcast. I'm your host, LaVon Briggs, a.k.a. Pastor Bay. I am also a preacher. I preach down, honey, a speaker. I transform lives with my words and a writer, soon to be author, published in this mug. Shout out to Penguin Random House and Convergent Books. Y'all make sure y'all buy the book when I drop the pre-order link, spring, summer 2022. Anywho... As you can see, Sensual Faith is a podcast, it is a book, it is a platform, it is a movement. It is all about the art of reintegrating our spirituality, our sensuality, and our sexuality, which, if you're anything like me, has been quite the journey. Sensual Faith started as a platform where I was asking sticky theological questions when I was in seminary, questions about sex questions about sexuality, questions about pleasure and healing from trauma, just all the things that people say we're not supposed to talk about. In my lexicon, there is no such thing as the word taboo. I believe that God is big enough to go wherever we are brave enough to go. And so that's what we fit to do up in here. It's important to me to come to this work as my authentic self. And that is as a new Afro-Caribbean womanist body and sex positive pastor. Woo child, what does that mean? Well, it means that I speak from my experience growing up as a daughter of Caribbean immigrants. My mother is from Barbados and my dad is from Guyana. And I was raised in a middle class Caribbean Episcopal church. Now, Episcopalians (laughs) are kind of like Catholics, except our priests can get married, but it's definitely cold, stayed, you know, the nickname for Episcopalians is the frozen chosen. Is that the Episcopalians or the Presbyterians? Child, it applies to so many different denominations where there's no oomph in the service. You know what I'm saying? Like it was very sit, stand, kneel. Every single Sunday we started on page 355 of the Book of Common Prayer. If you grew up in the Episcopal Church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That little red book with a gold cross emblazoned across the cover. That was us. Page 355 was matted and brown and tattered and dog-eared and a mess, honey. Because that's where we started every single Sunday. And I served as an acolyte, which is an altar girl. So I had on all these robes and I had this long crucifix around my neck and I got to ring the bells and light the candles and really get a great respect and honor for liturgy and high church We call that nosebleed church where it's very formal and colonized (laughs) because it's actually reeking of British imperialism. Both Barbados and Guyana were British colonies. So even though they are surrounded by other African descended peopled nations and folks who speak other European languages in Barbados and Guyana, we speak English because of the British. Thanks, y'all. So anywho, I definitely grew up with a white Jesus because even if he had blonde hair or blue eyes or brown hair and brown eyes, the nigga was still white. 
But in the words of Reverend Matt King Carter, and I learned this through my comrade, Reverend Malek Thomas, Jesus was a nigga from Nazareth. And so we're definitely going to talk more about that later on this season. But getting back to my childhood religion, this is what I was steeped in. And so I just thought we were Jamaicans, Bayesians, Trinis, Guyanese folks from the diaspora, the Caribbean, who would walk up on Eastern Parkway on Labor Day and go to church the next Sunday and bow before this white man. And so here I am, this little black girl surrounded by black people, loving a black mother, being raised by black folk, Caribbean folks specifically, and worshiping this white God. So there was a lot of cognitive dissonance when I was little, just culturally. And as you can imagine, that translated over into my self-perception. Being raised as a daughter of Caribbean immigrants, I was raised in a merit-based worthiness system. To my parents, education was everything. And so I was striving to be the perfect student. I was always top of my class, you know, My friend, I can't remember who told me this, but I used to identify as a teacher's pet. And he was like, you weren't a teacher's pet. You were studious. And I was like, thank you for that. Look at me not dehumanizing myself and giving myself the accolade that I deserve, which is that I was a studious elementary school and middle and high school and college and grad school student. We'll get to that a little later. And so growing up, I always had this abstract knowledge of God, this understanding of this higher power, this source. And I didn't really know what that meant for my life in terms of my purpose and my destiny, because when I was little, I thought my purpose was to go to school and go to college and graduate and get a good job, because that's what my parents told me a good Caribbean daughter does. But at the same time that I was trying to get a grasp and understanding of God and serving as an altar girl, I was experiencing childhood trauma. And the sermons at church never addressed what I was going through as a little girl, never talked about the woundedness that I was experiencing, the shame, the isolation, the fear. And that's because there are no first person narratives in the Bible. And so we have to be honest about the religion of our childhoods and how it forced us to contort ourselves to become people that God never intended for us to become. God created us good. And God looked at God's creation and was like, that's the sub. I did that, period. So when we're raised in these spaces that tell us your body is inherently bad, that tell you that you are sinful for desiring sex. When we're going into churches that tell us we need to cover our bodies and at six, seven, eight, nine years old, we shouldn't be wearing that because we're a stumbling block to men. What? Do you see how warped that is? In fact, Georgia Law did a study on the adultification of Black girls, and they found that adults, grown people, saw Black girls as young as five years old as not needing as much nurture or protection as their white girl counterparts. Five years old, when we are children playing hand games, talking about God no higher, falling asleep in church because it was boring. At that tender age, we are the ones closest to God and we are the ones being seen as not worthy of protection. It's no wonder that we grow up 
under the weight and illusion of imposter syndrome. It's no wonder that we grow up trying to navigate the frenzy of a relationship with a God that we think hates us. It's no wonder that we want to date and want to be in love, but swear it off because we want to be holy that we don't kiss or have sex even because we think we're going to go to hell and there's so much shame attached to it. It's no wonder the religion of our childhood did not give us space to be human beings. And it's in our humanity that we find our divinity. That is the pleasure of sensual faith is to say that all of you is good. Your body is good. Your mind is good. Your spirit is good because you cannot separate your body from your spirit. Many of us were raised in churches where we were quoted Pauline's epistles. Now, listen here, Brother Paul, I got an issue with him. But that's for when I transition back to the ancestral realm. I'm be like, uh, Brother Paul, I got some questions for you, sir. What were you going through? What were you not allowing yourself to be? Because that is what happens when we repress any part of our God-given selves. Our sexuality is not evil. Sexuality is a sacred gift. God's divine intelligence lies within our flesh. And the religion of our childhood tried to make us, not try, successfully (laughs) made us feel that we were unworthy of pleasure. That if we pursued pleasure, we were displeasing God. When the very God who created us to enjoy, uplift, celebrate, indulge in pleasure is the one who gave us the capacity to do it. Sensuality is the ultimate practice in mindfulness. The dictionary defines sensuality as unrestrained indulgence in sensual pleasure lewdness and unchastity, they make it sound like it's something bad, like sensuality is not something that is pleasurable and good and joyful. I define sensuality as the mindful practice of being aware of your present experience or experiences. Sensuality is ultimately a supreme practice of mindfulness. I mean, think about it. If all of your senses are healthy and functioning, you can see, hear, taste, touch, smell, right? That's how we experience the world. So if sensuality is simply an ultimate practice of mindfulness, then why would we demonize that? I think it's because when we tap into our bodies, we tap into our power. If you are a yoga practitioner like I am, then you may have come into contact with some principles around chakras or energy centers. Now, again, this is not the most indigenous practice because Lululemon (laughs) be out here in these streets trying to take over these ancient wisdoms and traditions. But in your womb area, That is your sacral chakra, and it's represented by the color orange, and that is our place of sensuality, sexuality, but also creativity and play and inspiration, particularly because Black women face a lot of woundedness as children that has to do with our womb area. I believe that there is a block there that is not only caused by toxic religious dogma, but by also the life experiences that we have gone through. There is a deep connection between our sensuality and our play and our creativity and 
and our pleasure center. And so if we are subscribing to a religion that does not see us as holistic beings, there are parts of ourselves and our identities that we are amputating. And my vocation is to help carve out brave, protected space so that we can say, here are all the parts of me good, bad, and different, the light and the shadow, what I put in my Instagram bio and what I try to bury. <laughs> all of me is good. And until we learn to love all the parts of ourselves, we will never be able to integrate into the whole being that God is calling us to be. When I think about spirituality, sensuality, and sexuality, they are to me a fun, holy trinity that due to the unholy trinity of family, church, and society has led to repression, suppression, oppression, all the shuns <laughs> as opposed to affirmation and celebration and fun. Y'all, faith is supposed to be fun. Faith is supposed to feel good. You can't tell me that God did not create pleasure. I know God created pleasure because God created the clitoris. And the clitoris is the only organ on any part of creation that has one sole delicious function. And so should I engage in sexual pleasure with consent making sure that I am safe and protected and that it's healthy and pleasurable. Yes, absolutely. And people will say, oh, you're a body and sex positive pastor because you just want to have sex. Yes, I do. I want to have lots of great, juicy, toe curling, nail digging, shoulder biting. Okay, let me come back. Consensual, healthy, pleasurable sex. That is my birthright. And this is about so much more than just sex. We can experience pleasure when we're sipping our favorite cup of hot herbal tea. We can experience pleasure when we're soaking in a luxurious bubble bath. We can experience pleasure when we're taking in a gorgeous sunset. I want to say sunrise, but y'all, I don't be up that early. Praise the Lord. The point is, is that our culture has conflated pleasure to just mean sex. And in a patriarchal, misogynistic, misogynoir society that we are transforming and we are co-creating a new earth. So we're going to see things differently soon and very soon. But when you are seeing things as they are, you can feel like I can't be who God called me to be because this person is suppressing me, this dogma, this pastor, this parent, these expectations, this societal norm. Fuck the norms. What feels good to you? And as long as it is ethical, beloved, it is your birthright to experience that joy. This is what I call the joy compass. It is my duty to do the things that bring me joy because where there is joy, there is peace and pleasure and flow and ease and abundance. And as a black woman, baby, I am cashing in on all of the abundance, all of the joy, all of the wealth in all of its forms that is owed to me. I want every red cent that is owed to my ancestors with tax plus interest. I want every nap, shout out to Bishop Trisha Hersey and the nap ministry. I want every vacation, shout out to Black women in luxury. I want every orgasm, shout out to Kimberative and the Black Women Deserve Pleasure movement. I want it all and I do not have to choose and I am no longer choosing. And that is because as a womanist, 
I center the experiences, perspectives, and vantage points of Black women. Now, if you're not sure what womanism is, it is a school of thought that was birthed out of the gorgeous mind of Alice Walker, who used this word for the first time in 1979. But it wasn't until 1983 in her seminal text, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, where she gave us this four-part exposition of what it means to be a womanist. Now, when I'm introducing this term to people, I typically take them to the fourth one, which says womanism is to feminism as purple is to lavender. Womanism is to feminism as purple is to lavender. What does that mean? It means that womanism is a deeper shade of the same hue. Like we're kind of in the same color family with feminism, but we can't rely on the pastel. You feel me? We need a shade of purple that is going to embody our hue, our complexion, our bodies, all different shapes and sizes, the diaspora that's going to celebrate our heritage and honor the truth of our history on this land. And shout out to the keepers of this land, by the way. Thank y'all for this opportunity to share my work with the world. But womanism helps us because it centers the most marginalized among us. So that when that person is free, when Black women are free, when Black, poor, queer, trans, disabled women are free, we gonna all be free. Because as one of my comrades, I can't remember who said this in Oakland, suggested Black women have never wanted a freedom that did not include everyone. And so when it comes to sensual faith, I realize that purity culture, evangelicalism, the illusion of white supremacy, anti-Blackness, anti-womanhood, I realize that these issues transcend race, socioeconomic status, class, education, pedigree. I get that. I also know that we need to honor the plight of Black womanhood in this nation. Because when we start to be honest about what Black girls, Black women, and Black femmes have had to endure on this land, it will open up, break open wide all of the harm, all of the convergence of pandemics, the entire matrix of systems of oppression that are literally built to annihilate us. It will break it open for everyone. And so when we can see God in Black women Beloved, that is when we are truly going to be liberated. And so sensual faith is a vehicle, is a tool, is a community that I get to hold space for. And we get to build and co-create this thing together. And I get to facilitate discussions and posit queries, run my mouth (laughs) and put these two theological degrees to use. And I get to honor my God and my ancestors and fulfill my purpose and beckon my destiny to me all at the same time. Beloved, sensual faith is juicy. Sensual faith is good. Sensual faith is what you have been waiting for. If you are a Black girl who grew up in church and was thinking to herself, there's got to be more to it than this. Sensual faith is for you if you are a queer person of color and you are tired of people trying to condemn you because of who you love. 
Sensual faith is for you if you are a trans sibling who is navigating spiritual life in this new shape, in this new body that you have so graciously transitioned into. Maybe not so graciously, child. Listen, my cisgender heterosexual ass They told my mama she had a girl. I grew up as a girl. I identify as a woman now. My pronouns are she, her, hers. So if ever there is an opportunity for me to learn from others who are more marginalized than myself, trust me, I will be there. And so sensual faith is for you if you desire to reintegrate your spirituality, sensuality, and sexuality. And especially if you are a person of African descent, this is your birthright, beloved, because a major part of my work is to liberate our spirituality, to reclaim Christianity as an African traditional religion, to say that there are no white people in the Bible that Jesus was a Jewish North African revolutionary refugee. So then what does that mean for us now? To say that we get to reclaim our spiritual base and practices, that our ancestors on the continent knew God before the colonizers brought their white Jesus. Remember that white Jesus that was hanging up in the church we grew up in? That one, yeah, him, that non-existent Jesus. That rendered Jesus that whitewashed Jesus, that ain't the real Jesus. Will the real black Jesus with naps and locks and shit, please stand up, praise the Lord. That I understand that when black women are in the room, that woundedness is in the room too. And so offering support and resources for those of us who are healing from sexual trauma is a part of sensual faith. And ultimately, all of this helps us to learn how to love ourselves unapologetically, which, beloved, your radical self-acceptance, self-affirmation, self-celebration, and self-love is the ultimate form of revolution. And so I do not invite you to this work to resist. I do not invite you to this work as a form of protest that is tiring. I invite you to engage in feeling good. I invite you to indulge in your birthright of pleasure, to know that your sensuality is a part of your spirituality, which is a part of your sexuality, and they are good and holy just as they are. Because in African cosmology, we believe that there is no separation between the sacred and the secular. You can't have anything without having spirit. Spirit is in everything. Spirit is in you. Spirit is always with you, around you, wanting to support you but you have to be open to receive. And that's probably one of the most beautiful things that I've learned on this journey is that God is a God of consent and God is not going to force anything onto us that we are not open and willing to receive. Even when you look at the birth narrative of Jesus and we encounter Mary, who was not a 40-year-old white woman virgin, y'all. Mary was a 13-year-old black girl who told God, yes and amen. You got a plan for my life. Let's do it. Mary consented to being impregnated with the one that we call Christ. And so if you consent, journey with me, beloved. Let's get to the meats. Let's get to the goodness. Let's get to the juiciness because there is so much goodness on the other side of your healing. And so this week, I invite you to think about what does sensuality mean to you? What is one way that you can bring a little more pleasure, a little more mindfulness to your life? So that's it for our very first episode. I can't wait to catch up with y'all in these internet streets and see how you are feeling and what you're learning and all the things that you're getting curious about as we embark on this sensual faith podcast journey together. 
Thanks for being here, beloved ones. Follow along with the conversation online using the hashtag SensualFaithPod and let's co-create this juicy, delicious community together. If you are already in, beloved, share, like, subscribe, and rate five stars, please and thanks. If you want to learn in community with me, we've already got a Sensual Faith Patreon that's been popping. Visit patreon.com slash LaVon Briggs and join the tier that's right for you. Follow me on social media at LaVon Briggs on all the things. You can visit my website, LaVonBriggs.com to book me for spiritual life coaching, tarot card readings, contact me for speaking, teaching, preaching, engagements, workshops, keynotes, media interviews. And if you are ready to invest in this work because baby, I'm investing in this work for us. So you can bless me on Zelle, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, all the things they are in the show notes and in my links, in my bios, across platforms. You already know it's lit. Go in peace, go in power, go in pleasure. Be well, beloved ones. And if it's not well, it's not the end. And remember, faith should feel good. <laughs>